Monday, September the 11th, 2023. Never forget. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have some analysis of closing day at Louisiana Downs for you. You know what closing day means at a racetrack. Mandatory payouts in the pools. Pick six, pick five, pick four. Everything must go. So we dive into the sixth race sequence at Louisiana Downs for Tuesday, September the 12th. It's closing day at Louisiana. Then we'll get to Ahsoka Part 4, Tim Kelly joins us for the deep dive, scene-by-scene recap and review. Episode 4 of Ahsoka was awesome. It was the best one yet. So much action, Star Wars feels. They've done a great job laying the groundwork, setting the scene. So we'll get you all into Ahsoka. We actually had NFL Week 1 underway, and we just have one more game coming on Monday night. So don't worry, later on in the week, we'll get you all into NFL. We'll recap everything that happened in week one, and we'll dive into week number two. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by Cindy Carava, Full Service Realtor. The website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of lenders if you need help with uh, the loan process. Maybe you need help with home improvement. She can connect you to vendors like gardeners, landscapers, painters, all sorts of great folks that she's worked with in her own homes and has experience working with. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. Let's get into Tuesday Racing from Louisiana Downs, and then we'll have the Ahsoka recap and review following that. Kick back and enjoy Tuesday. We'll talk races three through eight at Louisiana. Coming up on closing day out at Louisiana Downs, we have a pick six. That's a mandatory payout. It's a $20, a 20 cent jackpot pick six. We have a pick four and a pick five to dive into. So let's look at the final six races for Tuesday, September the 12th out at Louisiana. Mandatory payout pools. Everything must go. Now we're diving into the daily racing form past performances. We're going to be looking at drf.com. You can actually get these past performances for free when you sign up for a DRF bets account. What you have to do is Go sign up for a DRF Bets account and use the promo code WINNING. It'll give you all the way up to a $250 deposit match bonus. So if you deposit $250, they will match that. All of a sudden, your $250 becomes $500. They'll also give you a $10 free bet. And then they'll give you 10 of these free daily racing form past performances for different cards that you want. And a common gripe for a lot of folks out there when we're playing the races is that if you are betting a lot, you know, you shouldn't have to pay for the past performances. And now if you are wagering through DRF bets, every time you bet 50, you get another credit for past performances. Let's dive on in and take a look at Louisiana Downs for Tuesday closing day out at Louisiana. So the pick six sequence starts in race number three, 20 cent jackpot pick six. It's a five for a long turf sprint. Horses that are on my radar for sure. Both the four and the five are going to be tough. Fire in the storm is very quick and it is fan is in fantastic form, as you can see. Very good at the five furlong turf sprints, proven here at Louisiana. He is a bit one-dimensional. I don't think he really wants to sit off. So that's what makes him a little tough to, to trust as maybe a key horse or to put on top, because if he does get in a battle with other speeds, he has a tendency to maybe fade and run a good race, but finish second or third. He's in the mix, no doubt, though, because if he catches uh, you know, a flyer early on, he could be really tough. The five hail state, for the opposite reasons, I made my top selection because he's going to be coming from off the pace. Look at his races, you know, his most recent races going five on the turf. His entire form, his four starts on the grass have been very good. And he's going to be one that will benefit from a fast early pace. 
He's actually won on the lead or just, just sitting right off. But more recently, he's, be, he's been a, a closer, a horse who's going to be passing horses. We've seen him in his last couple turf sprints. And I think that's where he will end up today. He'll be in a spot where he'll be passing some horses late. The horse is a real wild card to me, and I will throw in, is the one Osceola, who's a big price on the morning line. Again, let's isolate his turf form. On July the 31st, he came from way out of it. He was only beaten a couple lengths, going five, and the race has already come back live. What does that mean? We've already seen a next out winner. Third place finisher, Premium, came back to win their next start. Won pretty nicely, earned a 70 buyer speed figure, beating 12-5 non-winners of three. And Osceola is a horse who got pretty good last year and, and has tailed off a little bit since then. I do think he can perk back up here. Look at the turf race back in June. Not a bad effort. Was fourth that day. Was right in the mix early. And keep in mind, that was the first start in about six months. The winner of that race at a party came right back to win and has won three in a row. Look at at a party just earned a 92 buyer speed figure in crushing a group. The fourth place finisher in that race, Vernon Hunk of Love, came back to win their next start. Look at them. They earned an 86 buyer speed figure in winning that one. 81 was the one coming out of the at a party race. So they've won two of their last three. Those are on the dirt, but just a quality individual. So I'm throwing in Osceola coming out of some strong turf races and better than looks turf form has a little versatility as well. He can show some speed. He can also pass some horses. So I'm five, one, four all over the place. I mean, a horse like the two tis the big one. I wouldn't really try to talk you off this horse. Who's, Uh, Going out for a bar in the Teddy. Very, very nice meet. Another who showed some versatility. He was on the lead last time out, which I think was a little bit surprising in that spot going five. But he certainly could fit with this group. And then the eight would be the other one for me if you're going a little bit deeper. Half again. He's going to make the big cutback from a mile and a 16th to five. And he could put himself in a really nice spot where he's sitting just off. He, if maybe they just want to let loose and go on the cutback though, and he could be pretty fit. Five, one, four is my top tier in here. Two and eight. If you're going a little deeper, look at this race. I mean, look at the, the, the contentious field that we have here. You're going to have a bunch of horses that are in the four to one range. That's race three. It kicks off the closing day pick six at Louisiana Downs. Let's move to the fourth race. Five furlongs on the dirt, 5,000 non winners of two. So this one kicks off your late pick five. You can play for just a 15% takeout. I'm going to go to the outside with the number 10 in here. Reverent. Now he cuts back from a mile and 70 last time out to five furlongs. And I love the massive cutback for him with the blinkers coming off. He'll relax a little bit and then he should have plenty of late punch and should come rolling in here. I think he'll be fitter now cutting all the way back to five furlongs. He's taken a big drop down in class. He's been facing Louisiana bread, 25 non-winners of two and even open non-winners of two uh, for 25,000 before that. So this is um, a, a good Good drop in class for Reverend. Nieves keeps the faith with the outside draw. Even if he's stuck a little wide, that doesn't bother me. I like to see him kind of wide out in the clear and making that move. The two C-Force is in fantastic form right now. Can't leave this one out. I think they may have found a right level. And you have Guerrero back on the inside speed. The five, United Appeal. I think just a total wild card. This horse broke his maiden first time out of the box and... Following that, he's been in really tough spots. In his second start of his career, it was on a sloppy racetrack, so you can eliminate that. Then he was off for a couple months. He shows back up. He tries the turf in a tough spot. Both of his turf races you can eliminate. Uh, The May 13th race at Evangeline, another one that's in a tough spot, like a, a Louisiana bread allowance. This is a way softer spot than any of the races he's been in recently. Alabama bred, United Appeal. I think he's a little intriguing, and I'm going to use him as a wild card along with the 10 and the 2. 10-2-5 for me in race number 4. Let's move to race number 5. This one's a mile and a 16th on the turf. It's a maiden special weight for fillies and mares, 3-year-olds and up. Kicks off your late pick 4. You can play that for a 15% low takeout. I like the 5 in here. Warriors return. Debuted going 5 
never got involved, but that second start, that's the one I want to I want to focus on. This is a race where he finishes in front of Marmo Moon. We're going to be watching the four and the seven in here. The four is age. So watching the four, that's Warriors Return, or the four is Marmo Moon. Oh, excuse me. Four, Warriors Return, seven, Marmo Moon. Those are the two we want to keep an eye on. So Warriors Return has a good start. I like that sat just off. To go a little wide there early, kind of going into the turn, but then we see Warriors return, move up nicely, and is in the, the fourth spot, right? The second flight there, just about two lengths off in the two path in between, traveling pretty well. And then right inside is Mormo Moon, who's the number seven. So they're right next to each other as far as their tactics are concerned. And I thought they both ran really well in here. I think they're both major players. I'm going to use them in the pick six sequence, but I'm going to prefer Warriors Return because on paper, you'll just get a little bit better value on Warriors Return. Here they both come looming up into contention in that second flight, and Warriors Return is going to angle to the outside, and Marmo Moon kind of stays right and gets a nice hole in between, but it is actually Warriors Return who shifts out Closes a little bit better down the center of the track. And we see Warriors return with a good second. Now, this was a race where there was, uh, you saw in the background, one of the uh, horses jumped. And there was an incident there in that race. Warriors return wasn't involved or it was way out wide. Had nothing to do, really didn't take advantage of that incident. Or uh, it wasn't like um, when a horse veers off and then one horse takes the advantage of, of that. I thought it was a good effort from Warriors Return. And I'm going to use the both of them. So it was the one Yaki but, uh, Butterfly in that race who was the horse that bolted when we were watching. But following that race, Warriors Return tries the dirt. And you can just eliminate that race. Just didn't fire on the dirt. Now we come back to the turf. And if he runs, if she runs anything like that July 29th race, I think she fits really well in here. So five and one are in the mix for me. We watch the race they come out of. The 10... Sassy Spry. That July 21st race was not bad. This is a filly who's actually come out of some pretty strong races. In her career debut, she's behind a few next out winners. My Aunt Snooky comes back to win her next start, beats first level allowance company impressively. Luminous Flight comes back to win their next start coming out of that race. You've also got MDA Run Address address comes back to run, win next time out. So strong debut race. Then... Gets on the turf, finishes fourth. This was a good effort. And the runner-up that day, Jumpin' Judy, came back to win. So I just, I like the races that they're exiting. And the turf race was good. It was a solid fourth. Moved up into contention. That was the first start in five months. Now she'll make her third start off the long layoff. I'm going to use the 10 all over. Six as a player. My little whiskey girl. The problem is with a horse like this who's 0 for 18, you can't trust them. But she actually fits in this group. 5-1-10-6 in race number five. Let's move to race number six. We have Maiden Special 8 two-year-olds here. I like the five, Mr. Shorty, who's the one to catch. Now, he has been your beaten favorite twice. But in those races, he's shown speed. He's now built up stamina and fitness. And now he's going to go from five to five and a half to six. So that progression makes a lot of sense. Thought it was interesting that Jose Guerrero shows up here and not on the Shane Wilson runner, more and more music. Just something to point out. The one funny flame sources. Damn funny proposition was actually a grade two winner that won the debut, won four of nine, including a grade two. So has the right to be a nice one. The nine awesome Ruta, horse to beat off the debut. It was good. Really solid third runner up that day. Ghostly time came back to win. Beat Mr. Shorty. Five, one, nine, two, who I mentioned. Nothing really crazy or outside the box. I'm pretty captain obvious in this race. I prefer the five if you need to shorten up. I do think he's the most proven and really only proven speed in here. Let's get to race number seven. 25,000 non-winners of two going a mile on the turf. 
I like the three quite a bit in here. This is probably a single spot for me with Mo Tap. You can look at this guy overall. He's pretty lightly raced and just go through his his resume. He wins his career debut, tries a little too tough in his second start, good effort in his third start. Like everything really makes sense for him. He's off from January to June, shows back up in June, a couple races on the grass, and then all of a sudden the grass form's pretty good. He's in the mix. They're just trying to figure out where does he fit. Those first-level allowance races were a tad tough. Then he was off from September to July. He shows back up in July, and he runs exactly like you'd expect a horse to run off the bench. He had a good start. He sat just behind the leaders, and then he kind of got shuffled back a little bit to fit the two lengths off. He waited. He was traveling well. He was just a little bit unlucky there. Now the blinkers come off. He will be a lot fitter off of that effort. Mo Tap, probably single in one or two spots. I also want to throw in the big price of Winworthy. So this is a total wild card for a barn who's only sent in live runners at the meet. Look at the races that he exits. A really tough first level allowance races where he's hooked some nice horses. He's not a win machine, but he has multiple races that are good enough to beat this field. Will he get the type of trip he needs? He's coming out of races from Fairgrounds, Keeneland, Kentucky Downs, Churchill, Aqueduct, Saratoga, and Belmont, where he's been competitive in a lot of them. Three and 12 for me as we move to race number eight. Let's close out the meet on Tuesday at Louisiana, going a mile and a half on the turf course here. More ice is in fantastic form. It's really tough to talk about this race and not want to use him based on what he's been doing. He's just been so, so good. He's won four in a row, all three starts this year. Loves Louisiana Downs. No knocks on him. The seven wins tea time. He got really good last year, and I think this year's form, it's a little bit sneaky. What I like about him, too, is that he actually raced Last year, going a mile and a half in this race. There's just not a lot of horses in here that have experience going this long. He is one of them. And I don't think the distance is going to be a problem for him. When's tea time in the mix for me? Others to include in the closeout race of the meet. The three and the 11 all have one-time gem. It's another one who's been consistent. And I think can show some versatility. Like he has the type of running style I like in these turf route races that are mile and a halfers. You, I don't think you want a stone cold closer there. You want horses who can make moves early, who can be sitting in a good spot, maybe uh, early move to the lead because they're going slow or fall into a good spot if they're going a little too fast. One time gems in the mix for me. And then also the 11, we will use Haley Sailor. So, the two-back race was very solid. And now you start looking at some of these races earlier on in his career. He's only making his fourth start back after five months off. He's certainly capable of showing up with a race good enough to win it. Does he still have that in him? At a nice price, I'm throwing in Haley's Sailor. Four, seven, eleven, and 3 to close out. The Louisiana Downs Tuesday card to close out the Louisiana Downs meet. It's been a blast covering Louisiana again this year. I had the privilege of uh, linking up with the folks at Louisiana. I got to do the on-track simulcast. I actually wasn't on track, but I got to do that broadcast from my home last year. This year was part of the team providing videos each and every day. Shout out to Roxanne Tanner, who did such a great job on the simulcast. Track announcer John McGarry did a fantastic job over there. President Kevin Preston has done a great one over the last few years. They got the Super Derby back. Hope everyone has a great Tuesday. Remember to get involved in closing day at Louisiana Downs. And you can get those daily racing form pass performances for free when you play with DRF Bets. Good luck. Let's hope we can close out Louisiana Downs on a winning note. And, uh... Grab some money on closing day in those mandatory payout pools. We shift the focus on over to Ahsoka. We are now in episode four of an eight-episode run, season one of Ahsoka. Tim Kelly joins me like he does for everything in the world of Star Wars and Marvel, and we get into Ahsoka, the scene-by-scene deep dive recap and review of part four.
coming off of episode four, part four of Ahsoka Fallen Jedi. Oh, we're getting cooking now, TK. Mm. This really picking up. This yeah. episode was by far the best. Um, yeah. It was just movie quality, 35, 40 minutes yeah. of Star Wars, great action. We got some throwbacks. We finish up with Ahsoka and Anakin Skywalker. Yes. <laughs> loved it. Loved it. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree with you. This was the best episode yet. I'm really glad. Uh, I, I appreciated the first three episodes. I know they were mixed for some fans. Uh, a lot of fans liked it. The Manosphere has not liked it. Um, but I, I absolutely loved this episode. It was the culmination of the last three. We had this great dual lightsaber battle, uh, cross-cutting. I mean, real tension. You said awesome. it yourself. And it, like, they felt real. Stakes. Yeah, you know, yeah, sometimes the lightsaber fights, like even in, mm-hmm. they can be beautiful. You know what I mean? They can mm-hmm. be really well done, but they're like they're like a dance sometimes. You know, right? It's like right. so choreographed. You watch this, yeah. and this was like a struggle. This was like how people mm-hmm. would really be in a fight. Like you could sense the the strength of Balin in some spots, and yeah. like the awkwardness of Sabine in others, which she'd like trip, but. I, I loved it. Like it felt very like if you and I were out there with lightsabers, yeah. you know, like how how we would look going at it. I it was right. it was good, it like prettier than that. But, no, yeah, but absolutely. Like the thrust, you know what I mean? Like they were thr- yeah, they were, just, they were trying the to hurt each other. Like it was yeah. It seemed legit. It seemed, you know, there was fl- a little bit of flair in there, you know, to try to distract the opponent and, you know, th- just different strategies. You could tell that uh, they were using different fighting stances and kind of shifting between that. them. I loved when uh, they got in their different stances, yeah. like like two batters in a baseball game. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. Like you just yeah. got a different way of, of fighting. You see this, you talk about UFC all the time. Same thing, mm-hmm. right? How does somebody absolutely. approach? What's your stance? Are you more of a, yeah. a stand-up fighter? Do you want to take him down? Are you more of a wrestler? Are you more of a puncher, a boxer? It's, exactly. I thought it was there's fascinating. A, it was there's awesome. a saying, uh, uh, styles make fights, right? Exactly. Styles make fights. That's the story of the fight. Is you watch the styles and how they interact with each other and how they shift the the uh, the um, their tactics and things like mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, in, in relation to the opponent. And yeah, th- this felt real in those ways. Like you, you saw those shifts, uh, you saw them employing more than just lightsaber stuff and some force pushing. Uh, and what are the implications of that? You know, there's a little bit of dark side energy coming from Ahsoka. And how does that shift the story? Uh, we saw allegiances shift. I mean, there's a lot of gray areas here. I love Balin. He just has a gray kind of villain. He's this orange saber Jedi who's, you know, he's a dark Jedi, but is he quite Sith? I don't, I don't think so. But he's, he has he's, he's like playing a moral between code. Those you know? Yeah, yeah. So it makes it really compelling to watch as, as a viewer. And of course, Ray Stevenson, again, just killing it in uh, what I believe is his final role. Uh, absolutely uh, crushing it. And and really glad to, to see that, too, because of the trajectory of Lucasfilm lately. I was worried, you know, it was going to be a dud. This this great actor who's done so many great TV and you know, film roles. Uh, I wanted to see this, you know, be something cool for him and his legacy. And it, and it actually truly is. And, and this episode was a great example of that i mean he he was really shining here and this is an episode when we got to really see the words that ahsoka says i am no jedi you know and when mm-hmm. Balin said that last time because as you pointed out she taps into the, the dark side of the force yeah. uh, multiple times yeah. um, when she feels like sabine there's this moment of uh, where there's like confusion between everyone that's really yeah. cool when they're battling and uh shin comes to the battle between Ahsoka and Balin, and then Ahsoka mm-hmm. sees her, and she thinks that means Sabine is dead. Yeah. So yeah. she goes nuts on Shin. She picks her up, force throws her into a boulder. Could have killed her. Easily. You're right. Yeah. You it know? was rough. It was. Br- there were some br- brutal moments in this, which it made it feel like uh, there were some real stakes in this episode. I mean, we saw, um, you know, we saw. People in uh, X-Wings getting blown apart. Uh, that was not expected. We saw some serious consequences and, you know, uh, fatalities, you know, mortal consequences in this episode. Uh, it wasn't just kid stuff. It wasn't just cartoon stuff. You know, I, I think this was a friendly, you know, show for kids. But, uh, you know, this is speaking to me as an adult. I I, yes. I, liked, uh, I really enjoyed myself this episode. This was just 
fantastic. I thought <laughs> from top to bottom, I really did. And then the visuals, you know, when they when yeah. they bring something in, because we've seen this a lot in, more in the world of Marvel, right? In the MCU, <laughs> when they try to get in into like time travel, and we're <laughs> seeing it a lot with with the this next phase of Marvel, sometimes <clears> the <throat> visuals can get a little wonky, you know? Right. It can, yeah. but the, I thought this was pretty beautiful. It looked like this glowing path when when she right. wakes up. It, it, the world between you, worlds. Yeah, they yeah. trick you a little bit because it it seems like she's falling into the water, and you feel like oh, and, oh, and she like, is right. The great in water. transition, the, and then the, it shows. Uh, yeah, it's. I, I thought the. The way they shot that, and then when she gets Absolutely. up and she's walking on this glowing path that is the world between worlds, it's mm-hmm. it's a realm in which the Force connects all of time and space. You get into it a little yeah. bit in Rebels, it's not necessarily time travel, but you, mm-hmm. can, you can impact things that have happened in the past, and you can see things right. that have happened that will happen in the future. So it's right. it's this fascinating play on play on time travel or play on having uh, a place in between worlds where you could see what's happened in the past, what's happened in the future, and you can gain ultimate knowledge um, of, of yeah, what's to yeah. come. I, yeah, it's, just I, I, really I like cool. uh, Eric from new rock stars was, he pointed out that, you know, they say it's not time travel, but you know, it, it, it's it, pretty it, much time travel. It it's is. definitely like a form of time travel here. It's like, come on, Filoni. It's, it's time travel, yeah. for sure, you know. Um, but it, it raises a lot of different, you know, questions and ideas, you know, about fate uh, in the Star Wars, uh, you know, universe. You know, fate versus um, choice and free will. And, and, you know, anytime you play with time travel, you're going to be dealing with that. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, Star Wars has always had that element to it a, a little bit. You know, there's always been this... There's been prophecies and like uh, the the um, just the idea of balance to the force and you know the one who would bring balance to the force that 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 like hints at the idea of fate you know somehow mm-hmm. weaving together uh, all these stories so it's it's interesting to add that to the lore I mean this series so far has added a ton of Clone Wars Rebels Filoni verse uh, Star Wars lore into you know the proper live action version yeah. it's very interesting to see. Uh, that play out uh, and I could see it really splitting some some audiences not being into all this new lore being added to Star Wars and I feel like it's not Star Wars but I, I dig it I dig every little piece of it that they've added the uh the last thing I want to mention before we start getting into it I've uh, got such a kick out of just the name of how Anakin like the name Anakin being said by different characters in Star Wars I just uh, love I just yeah, love yeah. it you know it just I can I remember hey, uh, yeah. I remember the first ones that I really remember are Qui Gon, Anakin, you know, like right, run, yeah. run. That's so funny. And, That's uh, perfect. Yeah. And then like Obi Wan, always like when they were on there, you know, together, and just when Ahsoka turns around and says Anakin, like I just mm. love hearing the different characters because that that name really is Star Wars, you know, Anakin Vader, yeah. yeah. like that that name, and then uh, when when she hears hello Snips. It's just yeah, kind of yeah. that reminds me of the Obi Wan. Hello there, you know, like the first. Right. I think it was one of the first things that you hear in Star Wars. In in you know in mm-hmm. the first, I think it's the first words that Obi Wan actually says in A New Hope when he sees oh, wow. uh, when he sees R two there, his uh, his old friend. So, right. um, yeah, I got it. Just a kick out of this episode too. It gave you That's great. It just gave you yeah. like the Star Wars feels. It was well done. Mm-hmm. It was well written. And what I like, TK, as we st- as we get into it. The 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 presentation of the series, there's no gaps in between each episode, and that's mm-hmm. what it feels like a movie because you just pick right back up, you know. Yeah. They're like where we were at the end of episode one. Sabine is in the hospital, and then Ahsoka's right there with her. You know, there's not yeah. gaps in between, which I like because we have a lot of gaps in Star Wars where we have to play the mental game of what happened off screen. You know. Mm-hmm. And in this series, they're doing the opposite. They're giving us the slow burn, all the slow Mm -hmm. relationship building. And then by the time Sabine and Ahsoka get separated in this episode, we feel it. Yeah, absolutely. Because they've built it here now. We see it in Ahsoka's eyes when she thinks Sabine is gone because now we felt them together for a couple different episodes. And that's what happens when you have a slow build like that, when they finally – if. And when they're finally able to get to the the meaty parts, you do feel mm-hmm. it. 
you just got to make sure they get to the meaty parts, you know, like right, there has right, to be right. some of those. It can't all be a slow burn. As, yeah, uh, they really delivered. This was a meaty episode. It, it was, man. I I was so pumped. We picked up right on Setos yeah. uh, with Sabine, with Soka, with Hyang. Remember, their ship is damaged. Hyang's trying to, to fix the ship so they can leave. Sabine walks outside to the ships. Ahsoka's out there kind of looking around, uh, surveying the land. And Ahsoka, you can tell that she's feeling uncomfortable about something, and she brings it up to Sabine. She says the enemy has the map. That means – and the means to get where they want to go. We have a difficult choice. If we can't make the journey to find Ezra, then no one should. And she, so she's thinking, look, this journey can get Ezra, but it can also bring back Thrawn, and it's going to unlock Thrawn. This is one of those greater good questions. Do we have to sacrifice one person for the good of the world? You know, this is one of the most difficult questions that's posed, like a real philosophical question. Do you kill one innocent person to save thousands? Yeah. Wasn't this the what they did in the Dark Knight when they made it with the, the two right. boats of a uh, villain or the, the one, the two boats, right? And one's the villains and one's the other people. And they give yeah. them the detonators and that, you know, they're going to kill them both if one of them doesn't do it. Like, this is that situation yeah. where um, what do you do? Do you. Uh, do you sacrifice Ezra? And what's what's hard about this is like Ezra is the type of guy who was fine being sacrificed for the greater good. You know, right, he would have been right. like, do it, do it, you know, sacrifice me. But Sabine, you can tell she doesn't really want to entertain that yet. She wants to find mm-hmm. a way to find her friend and save the world. We can do both. Right. We can do both. Right. Yeah. And we find by the end of the episode that she's, you know, she's willing to make, you know, that sacrifice. She's essentially willing to sacrifice the fate of the the galaxies. Uh, to find her friend or be re- reunited with her friend. It might even be a selfish thing. It might just be like, hey, I've got no family left. They, they've re- revealed that her family's been killed. Apparently, they, she had a family that uh, in Rebels um, mm-hmm. uh, that was alive and well. And, you know, in between Rebels and now, they've all been they've all perished. Uh, so she's she's alone in the world. Now she just lost Ahsoka by the end of this episode. So, yes, she'll be willing to to uh, sacrifice the fate of the galaxy and maybe her own moral character just to to have some some company, perhaps. And on one side, like you said, it's totally selfish. And then there's like Mm -hmm. this this beautifulness of it, too, that she loves this guy that much. Of course. That she's willing to go to those lengths, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, we we get this wide shot as they exit. Ahsoka and Sabine, and you can see that they're being spied on by an HK mm-hmm. droid. Um, and and Ahsoka even senses senses it. She tells Huyang, "Be careful out here." You can see she's mm-hmm. her force. Her force antenna are up. She, her feelers yeah. are up right here. Um, and now they're on Setos, the same mm-hmm. planet where Morgan Elsbeth, where Balin are, where Shin, where Morak are. And where the ma- where that map is, where they're trying to find the coordinates to be able to go get Thrawn. So everybody's on the same planet now. We're just in different pl- locations on the planet. Yeah. But Morgan and Shin and Balin, they've been alerted that the Jedi ship is still there. So they know where they're going. And mm-hmm. uh, our good guys don't have much time here. And right. so this is when we get the Ahsoka title screen pops up. And we check back in with Sabine and Ahsoka. You could tell Sabine's distracted because as they're preparing to leave, Sabine's like looking all over for something that's right on the table. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka <laughs> comes and picks it up and hands it to her. She's like, you okay over here? <laughs> and yeah. she's obviously not because she's it's weighing on her now that in the coming moments, she may have to make a decision that eliminates the chance of her ever seeing Ezra again. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if they destroy the map, uh, then they're they're separated forever. There's no way to find them. But you know, it, it prevents the bad guys from getting what they want, and and it prevents Thrawn from you know being brought back as heir to the Empire. So it's a big uh, there's a big choice there for her. So and what I liked was uh, when Ahsoka says this to Sabine, uh, I know how much Ezra means to you. Sometimes we have to do what's right regardless of our personal feelings. Sabine snipes back. You really believe that? And it takes Ahsoka a minute, you know, she says, you know, when the stakes are this high and she even like sighs and pauses, she's like, I, I have to, 
Um, so she doesn't she doesn't want to do this either. She loves Ezra. Like she she just knows you're in a situation yeah. where you don't have a good choice. You know, you don't have a whole bunch of options. Um yeah. I gotta say, our guy Huyang is outside fixing the ship right now. <laughs> this was a badass scene, dude. He gets yeah, attacked yeah. and he then we get, we get some <laughs> battle bots here, TK. Yeah. We get straight yeah. up droid boxing. This was they were in their stances like we were talking about yeah. with the Jedi and they just start putting their dukes up. I was I was yeah. loving it. You know what it reminded me of too? I, I made a note mm-hmm. when Huyang gets sort of backed into a corner and then all of a sudden he starts throwing out arms from everywhere. He's got like appendages right. that are coming out. Right. I was like, is this guy Goro? He looked like that. <laughs> He's throwing out these middle rows of arms and stuff. And uh, I thought this was a cool scene. It was badass. It was. And- who Yang gets the better of this uh, HK droid? I was I was mm-hmm. literally laughing as this was going on, like in a funny way. Yeah, I love that there was a one moment where the droid like covered the uh, Hu Yang's mouth, like it was, oh, yeah. it was there was a brutality to it. There was a, like it. a visceral. It's funny because it's, it's robots, but there was like this visceral brutality to the it fight. Was. And th- it was one of the first uh, moments in this, in this episode where I was like, man, they really kicked it up, and like the action, the tension, right. like. I'm watching a droid fight now, and I'm I'm absolutely like enthralled. So it was, it was, it was funny cool. as hell, man. It was great. And I haven't seen that yet. We've 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 seen droids engage in combat, obviously, with with blasters, and we've seen R two do some work in like Revenge of the Sith. Uh, but I I hadn't seen that like a hand to hand droid fight in this universe. That, that felt very new and fresh. Um. So Ahsoka and Sabine hear all the ruckus going on outside with Huang. They head out there. And now this is when we get to see that different side of Ahsoka. Anyone that was complaining about the lightsaber mm-hmm. fights or her being a little nonchalant in some of the first mm-hmm. couple episodes, not yeah. the case here right. at all. She comes out with both lightsabers. She is yeah. just taking them out, these guards out, one at a time. Sabine's got the blaster um, that she's she's using on her yeah. wrist. Um, and that's sort of like her, her go-to. Yeah. And love the way she uses that this episode, especially it, later on. There was a moment here, too, where you could see um, it was like teamwork. It was like uh, yeah. um, when someone would pull um, when someone would throw the plates up in the air and you'd shoot them. You know, it yeah, was like yeah. pull Ahsoka would use. She used the force to just toss this one guard out of the way. And right as she did that, Sabine pops up and blasts the next one right behind him. That wasn't yeah. expecting it. It's like this awesome like teamwork that they're they're figuring out how you know Ahsoka will set him up and Sabine will knock him down. And right. I uh, I thought this was great. And now they're they're on their journey. You know, uh, Yang needs to mm-hmm. stay here and fix the ship. They need to be ready. They need to have an escape route. But first, they have to go find the map. Um, as they get ready to leave. There's just this cute moment, and that's the only way I can describe it, where Huyang says, may I make one request of you both? Stay together. You always mm. did better that way, in my opinion. Yep. There's some foreshadowing uh-huh. right there. And, and the, the, two, the way they both responded, though, it would literally be like how mm-hmm. a 10-year-old would respond to their mom, kind of. Right. Like, she said, uh, Soka says, we better get moving. And then Sabine says, together, you know, real, really heavy handed. And they both kind of smile and walk off. Um, that that was a cool, just a tiny yeah. little moment, but it was corny. It made me laugh. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed sort of real. And uh, our, uh, our good guys, Ahsoka and Sabine, they're headed to try to get the map from, uh, from Balin, from Shin, and from Morgan. But they're, they might get some help. TK, because it looks like Hera mm-hmm. wants to go help them. We see Hera yeah. going a little rogue here, right? She's definitely going yeah. rogue. She's supposed to be in a meeting, and she says, screw it. She takes her son, Jason, and yeah. she goes to meet with some of the New Republic officers. Um, mm-hmm. And it's our buddy Carson Tava, Captain Carson Tava, we see, who we've uh, we've checked in with in The Mandalorian yeah. before in Book of Boba Fett. Um, King and, Convenience. Yeah, and he's awesome. And X-Wing. He's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we see we see uh, some of our our friends in an X-wing, and so now all of them together, they're gonna go try to find Ahsoka, find Sabine, and mm-hmm. you know 
they're they're going to help this cause. Uh, they were shut down before yeah. when Hera asked the New Republic to send resources. They told her no. So she's going against yeah. orders and going on her on her own because she can sense that something's wrong. I mean, she's been I, she's been able to communicate with. Ahsoka and Sabine and their ship is is crashed right now. They're stuck on a, yeah. a random planet and they tr- they're needing to get out of there. So this is this is like we see how Hera is. She's someone who mm-hmm. cares about her friends. She's not mm-hmm. bureaucratic. She's gonna go and do what she thinks is right and what needs to be done. Once a rebel, always a rebel. Yeah, I great uh, line. I thought great this, line. <laughs> it made great sense um, what she was doing. Um, Almost entirely, almost entirely. Everything except for bringing her kid. Her son. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, your son? Logic whatsoever. Especially when we see how dangerous it gets later on. And the the fact that almost by chance... just they're 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 alive at the end of this episode, whereas everyone else they go out with pretty much is toast. Um, And I was expecting the the kid to be Mm because at the end he says, "I have a bad feeling," you know, Mm -hmm. and so. I was expecting the kid to be like really force sensitive or there was a reason right. why she was bringing him more than just like, I'm bringing my son in the car for with me, you know, for the ride. Right. It, right. It, I don't have like, anybody to watch him. So yeah. I guess he's coming with me. Um, yeah. I, that was, that was a, a little bit, a, a, a little bit eye roll. Yeah. You're like, really? And, and if we're nitpicking too, I'll say, Anytime I see Carson Tava and a lot of these like X-Wing pilots, especially when like Dave Filoni puts himself in it, I oh it's a little cringy for for whatever reason. It just they don't strike me as being in the Star tech. Wars world. They, or, or yeah, right. it, 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 I don't I don't buy them as badass X-Wing pilots. And I guess it's it's fair enough because if you go back to OT, you see the the shape of some of those X-Wing pilots. Uh, it, it's all over the place. There's no real. Um, template right or yeah, yeah it's, it's not really like a template. body type it's not, it's not like when you look at real life jet pilots you know it's not they're not all top gun like fit guys uh it's just a different world but whatever that, that takes me out of it a little bit but I'm, I'm willing to say star wars is different they don't they don't experience g-forces in these things and maybe the best video gamers are the best you know pilots in in this world you know so i, I, I can make sense of it but something about it always seems a little corny so back on Cetos. They have this that sphere map, and when they place it on the platform, it creates the this map, and it looks like a huge, basically like a hologram, almost like a halo that is um that is all over them, and yeah. it what it does is it calculates the coordinates for them to get into hyperspace. So this map will take a little while to read. It's like you're on your computer. It's loading, yeah. you know. Um, right. So like while, <laughs> while, it's, while it's loading and it's, they're trying to get it to boot up, <laughs> Ahsoka and Sabine come across Shin and Morok out in the, I guess, the woods area, as uh, we'll call it. And we have Ahsoka mm-hmm. square off with Morok. We have Sabine square off with Shin once more. Yeah. And yeah. Man, uh, this was awesome, <laughs> and and it felt like the, well, like you you pointed this out. The cuts they felt they mm-hmm. were like real, and it was quick, and you kind of uh, it was really well done the way they were cutting back and forth yeah. at, at this moment. So Ahsoka and Morak go at it as this map continues to calculate the coordinates. So we're seeing these the kind of three scenes cutting back and forth. Sabine's doing better with the lightsaber this time. She's improved herself a little bit, and and she's using her blaster. Um, I keep re- being reminded in this when Ahsoka mm-hmm. tells Sabine to be yourself. She felt more Sabine mm-hmm. here, right? She's fighting like Sabine instead of trying yeah. to fight like a Jedi. Um, yeah, which she's using her Mandalorian, you know, elements. Uh, I, I loved it. Yeah. Yep. It just felt more natural for her, and then you get Ahsoka. She is right now like mm-hmm. she's like this athlete on the field who just knows they're better than everybody that she's walking up against. <laughs> she goes, yeah. she's like toying with him. Uh, initially, Morok's got the double lightsaber and she's got the single, and they have a little back and forth. And then yeah. she holds up the lightsaber over her head, which we've seen yeah. Anakin do uh, before. And it was like a way to bait Morok in mm-hmm. because. It, he looks like, oh, I've got a whole open body I can strike. And as soon as he goes in, she just like twirls around and slices him in half. Yeah. 
Yeah, very efficient, <laughs> like awesome. a samurai move. And I love awesome. how he, he breaks out the helicopter, like Saber Blade oh, you know, coming in on her. So there's this great tension. And it's almost like that Indiana Jones moment where, you know, the guy uh, uh, is twirling his sword across the way from him and Indy just like real real nonchalantly just like smokes him it's it's kind of like that because it's so like efficient and and cool the way she does it uh and the 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 look on her face after she gets the 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 killing blow is is phenomenal and interestingly uh he disappears into like smoke after that which is something I wasn't used to seeing it's not a person. There's some sort of witchcraft here because we mm-hmm. hear these ghostly screams that are emitted. And yeah. and then Ahsoka looks over and Sabine and Shin are still battling. And mm-hmm. Sabine says, go, I've got this. Yeah. You go get the map. <laughs> I've got this taken care of. Um, yeah. I love that moment works. too. Me it's too. A great, like, it, Cause it, it calls back to that. Oh, oh no, they're separating, but also like, you know what? I kind of believe in Sabine in this moment. She believes in herself. And like, I felt the tension of, Oh no, like should, should she believe in herself? I think she's going to get herself killed. Like there was so much going on in this moment. It was great. And then if you feel it in a minute, because when mm-hmm. Ahsoka thinks Sabine's dead, yeah, it could have been because she left her. Right. Yeah. She's like, it's, that's, that's weighing fault. on her at, at that moment too. Like, Oh my God, I left her. Now she's dead. Like, yeah. Oh my! This this um Padawan that she's training that she hasn't finished yeah. her training with. You know, like we ask these questions. Is Sab- Sabine has been in situations like like this all throughout Rebels, but is she mm-hmm. fully ready to be out there with Ahsoka one on one? You know, at this right, moment, right? And uh, and fighting independently too against you know uh, a well trained uh, Jedi, at least a Jedi apprentice. But I mean, this she seems quite. Um, Shin seems quite adept at her her skills you know she's not just like a beginning apprentice she's 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 nice with a lightsaber as we check back in with morgan and balin morgan seems pleased as they get prepared for their departure the map coordinates are getting closer and closer to being fully played out for them but you can sense this um this like angst with balin Mm -hmm. he's not comfortable with witchcraft and right. he's made it made it known multiple times. Like he kind of scoffed at it uh, in a prior episode. Um, this is something that he doesn't know. He doesn't understand this world. He's a very smart, cerebral guy. But and a lot of it has to do with I think he his use of the force is incredible. He can get inside anyone's mm-hmm. mind and and read their thoughts and know what they're thinking. You can't do that with witchcraft, right? Like you can't right. get inside the head of spirits and things like this so i i feel like it's just mm. uh something that's strange to him that he doesn't understand and i like that he's he's a really layered character too mm-hmm. that's fascinating he's not just this bad guy no he definitely has a code and that makes him a really compelling figure to to watch you you kind of understand where he's coming from and what he wants uh and he demonstrates through his actions especially in this episode that he lives by that code and he has a uh, you know moral guidelines there's something that we can appreciate about his character here uh maybe he just sees the world a little differently or has certain um certain goals that are not in alignment with with our heroes and ahsoka approaches balin under this big spherical hologram of a map and uh balin says that anakin spoke highly of you I knew you knew the line that was coming here. I still kind of smirked a little bit at it. You know, it's like it's said it yeah. so many different times. And Ahsoka said, interesting. He never mentioned you. I know. Yeah. Um, everyone in the order knew Anakin Skywalker, but few would live to see what he became. Surely that must leave a mark. Is that why you walked away and abandoned him? Ahsoka is not here to discuss her past. Mm. And she asks. You find starting another war necessary? Balin corrects her. I'm not starting a war, but Thrawn will. It's an unfortunate evil, but it speaks to a greater truth. One must destroy in order to create. I even like how they walk up to each other and they talk for a minute. You know, it's not like someone just walks up and shoots the other person. You know, there's this like honor among thieves almost when they're battling here, you know, and it's it is a code. Um, and I think it's a Jedi thing. Like Balin doesn't want to kill another Jedi. There aren't many Jedi left. Right. He knows how how smart, 
um, how trained, how disciplined the Jedi are, what he's gone through. And and for what he's saying about Ahsoka, he has to know how talented he is. In fact, we know that he's he's made he's been a little scared a couple times with Morgan, um, since mm-hmm. sensing that Ahsoka is not gonna be easy to just get through. I I just loved all of this. Their interaction was great, and then there's yeah. this few seconds of silence where they just mm-hmm. look at each other and then they yeah. both go for their weapons. Like, yeah, that how inevitable line that he says too, it, it's so perfectly delivered. Uh, I, I love it. And they just built the tension. They really milked out these moments uh, for all they were worth. Uh, I could see them getting scared in the editing room of, you know, oh, we're, we're hanging too long on this. But no, like I was, I was eating it up. Like they I, really I, built the tension very, very well. I thought the same exact thing. I was so glad. Like every second they waited, yeah. you wanted it yeah. more. It, yeah. it was like I could picture them in the like in the control room and like wait to wait one more second. Wait one more second. Wait one more yeah. second. Now go. You know, it was um, <laughs> yeah. like re- really cool. Really cool. Just the little things I noticed more in this episode than I had in yeah. any of the other ones. Prior the perform the performances too. I gotta say, I really like the actress uh, who plays Shin Hati. I mean, oh my, she's she, fantastic. She's very menacing. You know, she's a, a a small woman. You know, I imagine she's not a, a large statured woman if you were in a room with her, but on screen she has this very big, powerful, menacing presence, and I buy it. I buy the look she, that 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 she gives, the 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 confidence in her. A lot of times when um, you know, the women are written in that way on screen. There's a disconnect in how it's, you know, portrayed or how it's, you know, pulled off. It just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel um, believable. But whatever she's doing, it works. It, it's really well done. As both ignite their lightsabers, Ahsoka and Balin circle one another. They both take their stances and the battle mm-hmm. begins. Um and then after a couple moments, they back off. Then they square up again. He overpowers her early on, but she's able to use some of her speed as yeah. we uh, we check in just quickly with Morgan. She knows that mm-hmm. Ahsoka's over there with Balin now. So now everybody sort of knows the pieces on the board. We're all on Cetos. Yeah. We are in a couple different locations still. As yeah. Balin starts to use the force. He throws a boulder at Ahsoka. She slices yeah. right through it with her lightsaber. Sick moment. Sick. Visual insane. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> then Balin tosses Ahsoka. And he's starting mm-hmm. to get a little more aggressive. Yeah. Uh, we check in with Sabine and Shin. They continue. Shin now has the upper hand. But Sabine uses her smarts. Yeah. She yeah. pretends to hold out her hand, Grogu style, to use the force, yeah. right? She holds it yeah. out, like closes her eyes, and Shin's like, this isn't going to work. You're no good with the force. <laughs> but she yeah. was really using, doing it as like a distraction to then use her blaster, yeah. which is really cool. Very cool. Like a feint in boxing, you know? She, she yep. threw that feint, got Shin to, to, to bite on it, and then took her out in there. Really nice moment. As uh, Ahsoka and Balin are locked in with their lightsabers together. Soka summons some extra strength. She kicks him back off her, and then she runs and grabs the map, the sphere, off of and and interrupts the transmission. But this thing burns her hand when she grabs it. She can't even hold on to it, and she just drops it. She tosses it to the side. Burns a print into her hand uh, might be important later on. So so perhaps the map is at least in part on her hand. hand. It's a great point because... We know that after this gets destroyed, there's no other way to follow. But does she have yeah. those imprints on her hand? Now, Morgan's mm-hmm. pissed off because Morgan's seen that the transmission has been interrupted. And Shin mm-hmm. and Sabine notice, too, because they're all on the same planet. They can see visually in the air that this is, is stopped. It's not happening anymore. So mm-hmm. Shin leaves to go help Balin. She uses like a smoke bomb to distract Sabine. Yeah. And she runs off. This is when things really pick up because Balin yeah. is now battling a wounded Ahsoka. She, her hand is completely burned. She can't even grab mm-hmm. the lightsaber anymore. So she's totally on defense. She's just backing yeah. up and backing up and backing up. Can't even grip the lightsaber. And then Shin approaches. 
And Balin and Soka are fighting, and Soka sees Shin. And yeah. immediately to Ahsoka, seeing Shin without Sabine means that yeah. Shin must have killed Sabine. And Ahsoka yeah. goes Darth Vader right here. <laughs> yeah. She gets a dark look in her eyes, and she force throws Shin into this huge boulder that, like, at yeah. first glance, you think she's dead. She yeah, just gets one. tossed into this boulder, like, back of her head. And mm-hmm. this is what happens when you tap into emotions, right? This is why you're not supposed to be, yeah. um, like, they don't like love, and they don't want you to have relationships. They take you away from your family as a Jedi because when you get yeah. – this is what happened with Anakin, with his mom. This is what happened with Anakin when he wanted to save uh, Padme, when he, when he wanted to save, you know, his right. the loves in his life. He tapped into the dark side. We actually see Ahsoka doing this a little bit here. Yeah, and it's a really it, – it's a shift in the fight again too. Uh, she goes that way, and then you see uh, after she you know smashes Shin against that rock, Balin then embraces a little bit more dark side energy and gets you know a little bit of rage there. And I love the moment too for you get to, you get to see Ahsoka's reaction to to losing Sabine. I know it's not real, but it's almost like that um, idea of like, well, oh, it'll be interesting to to see how people reacted at your funeral. Or, or there's that um, yes that, uh, meme of people go going to their parents and telling them that their favorite celebrity died, and so you see the reaction. And there's almost a, a part of you that like it feels good to watch that because you see oh how how much this person appreciated that other person, um, and so in this in in the same way we're kind of seeing the depth of how how much. Sabine meant to Ahsoka here in that moment. And it's really smart and cool because we get to experience that. Plus we get to experience the moment of, you know, when Sabine arrives and she gets the relief. So the narratively, we get to experience both moments through the character, uh, but uh, they, you know, they're still alive. And then, you know, we also get to see the, the flip side of that in a, in a little bit where Sabine loses Ahsoka and we see her reaction to that. So we get kind of the best of all worlds here. Hey, did I lose you? Hey, Gino, I can't hear you. I was muted there for a second. Sorry, I was going to say, oh, no, have, you, no have you seen the episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Albert Brooks has his own funeral? It, it reminded me oh, of what you were saying here. It was right, so, right. It's so funny. He wants, he said, I want to see what everyone's going to be like when I'm dead. Yeah, I don't, yeah. You know, I want to, I want to experience it. And Larry's like, what are you talking about? This doesn't work. You can't do this. And it's, it reminded yeah. me of that because it's it's a fascinating thought of like what it would be like at your funeral. And he's like, yeah. I just want to see, you know, Albert Bro. It's yeah. like, no, no, bro, you can't yeah. do this. It's a Tom Sawyer thing, too. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. You're right. Um so as as Ahsoka and Balin continue on, Sabine shows up and Sabine grabs the map. And she has the map. She's holding on to it. Ahsoka tells her, destroy it. Destroy it right now. She hesitates for a moment. And in the moment that Ahsoka is distracted, Balin knocks Ahsoka back off this cliff. Yeah. And she falls back. And now Sabine is in a situation where she's just out of her league. She's one-on-one with Balin. Um, Balin, he doesn't even need to use the lightsaber here. He, yeah. he does, like, initially the first time I watched it through, I thought he was getting in her head using the Force. He's not even doing mm-hmm. that. He's just manipulating her using Ezra. Like, yeah. I don't even, he just talks about Ezra. He brings up Ezra, and he says, look, if you destroy that, you're never going to see Ezra. Right. I wasn't sure if he was getting in her head in the sense of, like, reading he, her mind, kind well, of. He, I he, thought he, maybe did, he, he was doing 100%, that. He, uh, the, at the okay, beginning, okay. he 100% read her thoughts. He closed right, his eyes, right, right. read her thoughts, and then he he used those thoughts to manipulate her. But I, right. I thought he was just making her give it to him. But no, right, he's right. so evil, he wants her to actually hand it over to him. Yeah, uh, like, he didn't on her use own a proper... There was no Jedi mind trick there, basically. No. There was no, these aren't the droids you're looking for, like, you know, a hypnosis effect. Exactly, because we just see like, that easily, I'm gonna right? I'm going to find we out see... the info and then manipulate you. Yeah. That happens and all I the love, time. I love, too. I mean, he could have uh, probably just forced that thing away, like, just, just pulled it away with telekinesis. And then killed her. But maybe he sees, uh, first of all, her humanity or some kind of value in her, her life, her soul, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, and then maybe beyond that, he sees some value in uh, her joining him on the mission. Uh, so I, I find that very interesting. Like, what what are his motivations specifically? And I want to find out more. So Shin, she gets up angrily. She uses the force to choke Sabine. Balin tells her to stop, and Shin actually releases her. He said, I gave your master my word. No harm will come yeah. to you. Uh, but he tells her, look, I know it's holding you back. Your family died on Mandalore. Your master didn't trust you. You and I share a common goal to make this journey. You will be reunited with your long lost friend and I will serve a greater good. Come with me. And that's when she hands over the map to him and he puts it back on the platform and it starts calculating and the calculations are complete. They have a route to hyperspace established and now our X-Wing fighter pilots, our, uh, our new Republic crew. They can, they they are approaching this big ring. They are approaching the Eye of Scion, and there's nothing really like mm-hmm. this before that they've seen. They yeah. can sense a huge energy being built up. Yeah. Um, and man, we see Balin destroy the map so nobody can follow them. Yeah. And Balin and Shin and Sabine join Morgan on the Eye of Scion, this huge hyperspace ring. And she smiles as her plan to free Thrawn is coming near. Mm-hmm. Now, this huge ring powers up. Mm-hmm. And as it jumps to hyperdrive and goes to hyperspace, it emits this massive wave of destruction, TK. It takes yeah. out like three or four of these X-Wings. It's like a sonic blast. Yeah, uh, or like an EMP maybe. Yes. That's what I was thinking of. Yes, it was fascinating. It was cool to see. It was different. It left yeah. some of these. It's like you don't. I, I haven't seen ships like that in Star Wars get mm-hmm. blown blown back that way, where they're just completely yeah. off their trajectory. Hera and yeah, Jason, like yeah. they see it. They they make it. They didn't get blasted <laughs> off, but they they sense what's happening here. They've never seen something of that size. Make a jump yeah. to hyperspace like that. And uh, I will say, this is when Jason tells his mom, I've got a bad feeling. I mean, we could have used <laughs> yeah. this a few minutes earlier, buddy. You know, like, yeah. I think we've all got a bad feeling now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, really? How many of our friends just died? Yeah, I feel yeah. bad too, kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know? Um, yeah, that was, that was a little funny. But um, when we finished this episode, TK, we think that mm-hmm. we're seeing Ahsoka... Laying on top of water. At first, it looks like mm-hmm. she's Jesus walking on water, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then as they pull back, we see that she's actually laying on a path. It's like a huge glowing mm-hmm. pathway in space. It's very quiet. She looks around. She senses something. And she hears a voice. Hello, Snips. She turns around. Master? And it's Anakin. He's smiling, and she smiles, and then the Vader theme music plays. Oh, man. The Imperial March comes in. Yeah, that was – I I loved it. So there's that sinister, ominous kind of undertone uh, that we're left with after this seemingly kind of, like, bright moment of, like, being reunited with, you know, her old master. But we know know better. We know that this is, you know, Darth Vader. She knows that too, obviously. But – you know, there can can good come from this. Is it actually the real him? Uh, people pointed out, you know, the 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 CG de aging looked pr- pretty fake. Maybe a little extra fake. Maybe that's because this is a fake Anakin or Anna skin. I think. Shout out new rock stars again for, for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, th- th- very interesting to see where where they'll go from this. I love to see Hayden Christensen back in the mix. Uh, first time since like what Obi Wan. Uh, and it was nice to see that revival there. So, and they're continuing that. Um, I think it was an under, you know, under the table kind of uh, hidden secret thing that he was even part of this show. And it just yeah. got revealed by Rosario Dawson by accident at one point. So the fans kind of knew it was probably coming, but it wasn't guaranteed or promised. So a really nice surprise. Um, yeah, but the de-aging did strike me as a little bit 
off-putting and it, it has done that you know any other time i've seen it almost but um that said great episode uh world between worlds i want to know more it's making me want to watch more uh rebels and, and clone wars because i, I want to find out more about this lore tim kelly we're gonna uh finish up quickly this time because i do have another uh um interview coming up right after this but man awesome <laughs> i'm so pumped four episodes through halfway home I actually had heard that episode five was the one that was supposed to be really, really cool. And now we just got episode four. That was a blast. And I, I, this was this 40 minutes was just me personally hitting all of the boxes that I want when I'm watching star Wars. It was great. It was great. Shout out Peter Ramsey. The director, Peter Ramsey did, uh, into the spider verse. It it was, you know, it was perfect. Um, TK, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. I, uh, I always love talking with you. I always love these chats. And we will be back next week to talk about episode part five of Ahsoka. Make sure to give Tim Kelly a follow on Twitter and on Instagram at Tim is not funny. Check out the great music projects that him and his wife have done. TK, I hope you and your beautiful family have a great weekend. And we will talk next week, buddy. Thanks so much. Same to you. I look forward to it. Folks, thanks for hanging out with us again. Make sure to tune in to Ahsoka Episode 5 next week, and then you can come hang out with us as we talk all about it. Don't go anywhere, though. There's still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. Big thank you to Tim for joining us again. We are already halfway through Ahsoka. Looking forward to Part 5 coming out on Tuesday. Good luck at Louisiana Downs. Coming up later in the week, we'll have more racing from Woodbine. We'll have action from the NFL and college football. And uh, yeah, we'll open things up at Belmont at Aqueduct. Them and Churchill Downs open this week too. So racing, closing at a few places like Saratoga, Del Mar, opening up at a few others. Um, and the uh, the focus will shift over there. Good luck this week. Talk to you again real soon, folks.